Hey, left fielders, this is Julian McClurkin. When I'm not on the court with the Harlem Globetrotters, I'm the chief storyteller for Tribe Vest. Now, you might be thinking, why would Tribe Vest hire a Globetrotter? <laughs> well, through my travels around the world, I've met so many amazing people and heard their incredible stories. And it's no different at Tribe Vest. My job is to share the stories of people investing together as a group, as a tribe. TribeVest allows groups to pool their capital, set up their LLCs and bank accounts, help with operating agreements, funding rounds, and so much more. Whether you're investing with other dads from your kid's preschool class or getting into real estate syndications with people around the country like LFI infielder Brian Pawnell, TribeVest helps them all make it happen. If you want to hear more about stories about TribeVest's customers, just check out TribeVest's YouTube channel. And if you're already ready to start investing as a group, Head on over to TribeVest.com today. Self-storage has been one of the fastest growing real estate sectors for four decades straight. With inflation on the rise, it may be the hedge you're looking for. Spartan Investment Group identifies low-risk, value-add investment opportunities in commercial real estate. Their private debt and equity opportunities offer stable monthly payments and predictable returns. And since they put every investment through a 700-plus point due diligence checklist, you can invest with confidence. To learn more, visit Spartan-Investors.com. Venture capital represents an asset class of investing in companies which aren't companies yet. Basically, entrepreneurs that have a vision, that, that want to build a company, that want to build a business. Actually, rather than analyzing a business, you're analyzing a market and team. This is a major difference. Hello, left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go. This is MC Lobsher from Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. I'm really excited today to have Shelly Hodmoyal with us. She is a finance and investing expert, having built her career on Wall Street prior to co-founding where she is now at iAngels, where she is a co-CEO and she works with global investors to share some of Israeli's best or Israel's best startups, I should say. So Shelly, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we're, we're super excited. As, as I said, kind of when we were talking earlier, you know, most of our community, we're focused on real estate and syndications, but uh, a lot of us also do um, some speculative stuff on the side. And, and this is, I think, where, where um, we're going to concentrate most of our time today. But before we do that, I'd love to hear about your financial journey how did you get into finance? How did you get into becoming the founder of, of iAngels? Can you just kind of give us the whole backstory? Sure. So um, I, uh, I'll i start from school. I went to uh, Hunter College. I actually started by studying philosophy. And, um, and it was so difficult because every week I needed to write and write and write. And I never knew what my grade is going to be. And my father, who's an accountant, was like, why don't you go study something that you can actually do something with afterwards. And then I, uh, I took an accounting course and, and basically fell in love, uh, quite literally. Um, I was like, wow, I can do this. This is, this makes sense. And, and, and I loved also the fact that you're either right or you're wrong. In the end, it either 
balances out or it doesn't balance out. And you know, if, you know, if, if you got it or not. So yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I went all in on, uh, on accounting and finance from that moment on. And after college, I started working at UBS in private wealth management. And uh, I was responsible for asset allocation. So I would choose um, mutual funds, REITs, um, bonds, municipal bonds, uh, ETFs for, for customers and based on their risk reward profile and their, you know, and their um, investing requirements. Uh, after a while, I decided that I wanted to actually start investing in companies. And uh, I started working at Avenue Capital, which is a hedge fund focused on distressed debt. Um, I was there during the subprime crisis and responsible for our, uh, basically the associate responsible for the real estate and finance portfolio. So uh, made made investments in companies like uh, AIG, GMAC, uh, Citigroup, but also uh, a lot of REITs like iStar and others. Um, afterwards, I, uh, I decided that I want to move back to Israel. I, I, I was born and raised there. I always knew that, um, that, I, that I will want to come back. And, uh, and so I, I uh, started working at Goldman Sachs in the investment banking division, and they relocated me to Israel. And that's where I got to work on a lot of special situations, but also a lot of tech, because Israel is really the, the startup nation. Uh, also responsible for some of the investments that Goldman made into companies like uh, Mobileye. Um, and so basically before starting iAngels, I've been on the on the sell side and then the buy side and then the sell side again, uh, both kind of top asset allocation, but also actually investing in companies, uh, both from a value perspective, uh, distress, but then also growth. Um, so really came from... Uh, uh, had a lot of great schools and, uh, and 10 years ago, I basically decided to, to leave Goldman. I moved to my basement and, uh, with my partner and basically we started iAngels, which is, uh, both a VC, but also a platform that, um, invests in, uh, high tech startups in Israel and also allows investors from all over the world to, to invest per deal. Uh, and really the idea is to enable angel investors to build a portfolio of, uh, of, uh, of startups uh, at a level which makes sense for them. Um, on our platform, people can invest $10,000 in a company. So with $200,000, you can actually build a, a significant portfolio. And we basically expose everyone to all our due diligence, all our reporting, um, they receive startup updates every every quarter. Well, they receive KPIs, uh, cash flow, and basically everything that you expect to see when you're investing, um, I guess, in a real estate fund or, or in general. Uh, the idea is also to uh, institutionalize, if you will, angel investing. Well, that's fascinating, and I'd like to. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who said they fell in love with accounting, um, which is awesome. I, I was a finance major and I, I love numbers, uh, but I, I did not fall in love with accounting. So I think that, I think that's great. Uh, that, that's funny. Um, you said, you know, the specializing in, in venture capital. And I'd like to just kind of set the table here. Venture capital, digital assets, Series A, funding rounds, unicorns, pre-IPO, like those are all terms that we hear used 
in this part of the industry. Can you kind of explain what venture capital is and maybe what some of the rounds are and, and how the investments kind of work? Because it gets a little bit confusing, especially to the you know people like us who are mostly real estate uh, investors. Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, so basically, venture capital is uh, represents an asset class of investing uh, in companies which aren't companies yet. Basically, entrepreneurs that have a vision that that want to build a company, that want to build a business. So actually, rather than uh, analyzing a business, you're analyzing a market and uh, a team. So this is this is the major difference. Now, the first round uh, an entrepreneur raises is usually what we call a friends and family round or a pre-seed round, which is usually constructed of people that know the entrepreneur, that know what he's capable of. And at that point, it's usually just uh, an entrepreneur or a team of entrepreneurs with an idea. The next round, the round, the seed round, is the round where um, an entrepreneur raises money to to uh, prove a concept and uh, and basically reach what we call product market fit. Uh, the notion of product market fit is bringing a product to market, finding a customer and having that customer willing to pay for that product. So that's the seed round. The A round is when you, a startup founder has, has basically found, has basically built a basic product uh, found people that are willing to pay. And this next round, this A round, Series A, is to start building uh, a business a business around it, uh, like a business model around it. And, um, and so that usually today, most A rounds are around $10 million. I would say maybe seven to $10 million. Seed rounds are about three to $4 million. Um, and then afterwards, at a certain point, when you're building a business, um, and you already have a few customers, um, and you already have a, a marketing uh, process, then you start raising growth rounds. And the idea of raising growth rounds is to is to make the business repeatable, making uh, the business uh, scale. So these are all so all the rounds, I would say from B, which is early growth, where you're trying to establish a repeatable business. Round C and D and beyond are when companies are already uh, already proved that they can um, spend a marketing dollar in return, get a customer in return, receive uh, revenues, um, and then at that point you're already you know looking at kind of creating a profitability and, and scaling the business. So that's kind of broadly speaking. Uh, depending on the sector, uh, it can change. It can vary. For example, okay. pharmaceutical companies, the process is different. There's a lot more research. There are FDAs. There are trials. Um, but generally speaking, this is the kind of how it usually works. Well, that that's a great summary. And and I guess so. If you're an investor and you're investing at these different rounds, can you talk about how the investor is affected by each subsequent round and and how the how that actually works because i know you know you're not the investor is not receiving cash flow along the way right these this is just hold it until it goes public i guess or gets bought and you get you know you get redeemed but how does if i invest in an early seed round and they do a series a and then they do you know a series b do i need to reinvest in every round am i getting diluted how does that work in general 
Sure. So um, every round, in every round, you usually sell about 25% of the company, sometimes 30, if you take into consideration um, ESOP. So in general, every round dilutes you by around 25 to 30%. In general, um, you, you don't need to invest in every round. Um, you, you don't need to invest in every round, but when you're thinking about venture capital, um, each individual investment on its own holds a very, very high level of risk because the failure rate is high. So when, when you're looking at a portfolio, the rule of thumb is, um, to invest in, let's say 20 companies, but then also leave money for, for follow-ons. And usually angel investors and early stage funds, they usually follow on once um, if, uh, if they believe in the company, um, but also save money for situations where, where you need to be defensive. For example, if there's a down round or if there are rounds that have um, attributes to them, which uh, dilute you significantly, much more than 25% if you don't participate. So my recommendation is to use half the money to build a portfolio and then the next half to follow on on your the companies which you believe to be the best ones. Because that's really, that's how you make money in venture capital when most of your money is invested in your best companies. Hi, this is Zach Hapenstall, CEO and co-founder of Rise48 Equity. At Rise48, we've successfully purchased 38 different properties worth over $1.5 billion worth of real estate and gone full cycle and sold 11 different properties, drastically exceeding projections for our investors. If you're looking to invest with an experienced sponsor in either the Phoenix, Arizona, or Dallas, Texas markets, then we're the group for you. To learn more about investing with us, visit our website at rise48equity.com and set up a call with me. Thank you. If you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably already thinking about ways to generate income passively and to reduce your tax burden. But did you know that you can retain more of your W-2 income by investing in oil and gas? As you might know, my income is generally passive. But if you're a high wage earner who still gets a large portion of your income from a W-2 job, this investment opportunity could help you hold on to more of your hard-earned money, which means you have the chance to make more passive investments. Billy Keels and the team at First Generation Capital Partners are experienced with investing in this sector, and they have a free download available for our listeners who want to learn more. To find out just how much you could save by investing in oil and gas, head to firstgencp.com slash LFI pay less tax and download your free guide. So, okay, what is a down round? And then also, how much do you recommend people allocate, you know, percentage wise, maybe to this type of investment? So a down round is uh, is when uh, the the subsequent round is at a lower valuation than the valuation in which you invested. So um, in those situations, if you believe in the company, these are times in which you'll definitely want to defend your position because they're they're much more diluted. Okay, so that that makes sense, and and I guess. Talk about, and, and I, I want to know about how much the allocation should be also, but when you're talking about getting d- diluted, um, what does that specifically mean? I think it means you own a smaller percent, but does that matter? Because, you know, that percent, the the percent is shrinking, but the sh- value is growing 
hopefully, maybe not in a down round, but typically. So how does that how does that work? Mm-hmm. So um, so basically, you're you're exactly right. I mean, if someone uh, invested, let's say I invested, I I invested a million in a company at nine. So it's so basically uh, the post money valuation is ten, and I own ten percent of the company. Let's say if the next round is ten million dollars at ninety, meaning a post money valuation of a hundred. Now I'm going to be diluted. Instead of owning ten percent, I own nine percent. But because the company is valued at a hundred, I own nine percent of something that's worth a hundred rather than ten percent of something that's worth ten. Right. And so, so Mike, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is it's okay to be diluted. I don't have to fight to maintain the 10% because I'm making money along the way. But then the question becomes, how are these companies valued at each at each round? Who does the valuation? So the valuation is done by the person that's leading the round. Basically, the person that's, you know, that, that, provide the, that provides the term sheet. Um, what the, the entrepreneurs and the investors uh, agreed upon that makes sense for them. Um, so this is, uh, this is typically, this is typically how it's done. And so if, if investors look at that and say, well, that I don't agree with that valuation, then probably they just won't invest. Right. So you have to, by investing, you're basically validating the value that the entrepreneur has placed upon it. Exactly. But a lot of times you can also agree with the value, but not want to invest. I mean, it, it, again, it depends on your own uh, personal investing requirements and, and what you expect from your investments at a certain point or at certain values, the, the risk might be lower, but the upside potential is also lower. So right. it makes complete sense for angel investors to, to stop investing at a certain point, whether it's because they think the valuation is too high or because they're already um, you know, they're already heavily allocated into this specific opportunity or company. And the exit on these is if the company goes public or is sold, is that correct? And is there any other exit? Meaning if I invest 10 grand in one of the companies and, you know, five years from now, it's just kind of piddling along and not doing much. I mean, I, I don't, I can't sell that, right? There's no market for those, uh, cause they're not, they're not public yet. Right. Um, you're right. However, companies that are doing well, you usually can can sell. There's usually a secondary market um, for for companies that are. I won't say that there's a secondary market, but there is appetite for companies that are doing well on a secondary basis. So, for example, one of the companies that we invested in uh, uh, a few years ago was Biocatch. It's a cyber company, and um, and, and we and and since then there were rounds led by Bain and and by Premira's growth fund recently, and in those instances we were able to sell in secondary. So we sold part of our position for half a billion dollars, and now we 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 sold part for six hundred million dollars, and uh, and it's not and it's not rare. So so yes, if you have a company that's not really you know moving or or not really uh, progressing, then it would be very difficult to sell. But if you have a company that's growing quickly, then it might be possible. Okay, excellent. 
And then is, if we're talking about portfolio allocation. As I said, we're mostly real estate investors. Is there a, a percent you recommend to your clients like, hey, you know, don't invest more than 10% in, in this type of stuff. Don't invest more than 5%, um, you know, just because it is speculative, right? I mean, there's there's no no way of knowing this is going to work. You don't get any current benefit. You're just going for upside, which there's nothing wrong with that. But it should be a limited part of your portfolio from my perspective. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um, I think 5% makes sense. I mean, I invest much more than 5%, but I also have, uh, I mean, I have a different risk profile. Um, but yeah, I think um, as a rule of thumb, I wouldn't go higher than 5 The reason, by the way, is also because this money is, is basically money that you, uh, at least psychologically, have to be willing to say goodbye to without it killing you. Um, right. So, so I think you have to kind of go through that exercise. What is that percentage amount that I wouldn't kill myself over if I lost? Um, and then when you come into it that way, then, you know, everything is, uh, then you have patience and you don't mind that it takes years and years. And it does take years and years to build great companies takes you know, what one of our portfolio companies is eToro and eToro is already worth several billion dollars. Um, but you know, it took 15 years to, to build, to build that value and to achieve that, you know, that growth and that level of, of revenues and, and profitability. So going in, people, people need to be, people need to be aware that it's not something that they can just say, Oh, okay. I want to sell this now. Yeah, no, and that, that that's good to know because you know, like I said, we relate everything to real estate, and our deals, you know, are five, seven year deals typically, but a lot of them close out more quickly, and we just need to recognize that that might not be the case uh, for these these kind of deals. Um, so one question I wanted to ask is why Israel has so many startups. You called it Startup Nation. Can you talk about just why are there so many startups there? How do Americans invest if they're, are they Israeli companies or they're just located there? How do Americans invest in, and are there tax implications of that? Okay, sure. But can I, can I uh, refer to the previous question as well? Yeah, I, absolutely. Because I said something, because I said that creating big companies takes time, but it's not that you don't see exits along the way. I mean, we, we started the company 10 years ago. We already had 25 profitable exits. We had companies that exited within two years. We had, we had a company that exited within a month. Uh, wow. last, last year we invested in a company. We literally, we didn't even, um, send like, we, we didn't wire the money in and they already received, um, they already received the, an offer to get bought. It wasn't a big exit. It was a two X within a month, which is quite rare. Um, but, but the point of the matter is, is that, um, you, you will see earlier exits. Some of them will be smaller. Some of them will be larger. But, uh, but, but broadly speaking, to build a big business takes, takes more time than, you know, these, these earlier exits. Um, now we can, now I'll go back to, uh, <laughs> I'll go back to your previous question about Israel. So, yeah. um, uh, Israel is, uh, considered by, by many the startup nation. And there is, um, there's actually, there are already quite a few books on uh, the Israeli culture and um, survival mentality. 
some of it really dates back to uh, the formation of the country. I mean, coming here and um, and b- basically building building Israel, which which was not. I mean, it was all swamps uh, when when people came here. Um, you know, 90 years ago and 100 years ago. And 75 years ago, once Israel became a country, then it needed to defend itself also. So it not only needed to build and, and basically accept many uh, immigrants that came from all over the world, primarily Europe, because of the Holocaust, um, but it also had a lot of enemies. So uh, needed to defend itself. And, and that culture um, created a nation of people that are resourceful and are uh, willing to to take significant risks, and um, and another component of that is actually the army, which is one of the uh, most significant, um, uh, basically schools that builds uh, entrepreneurial talent here, because um, it, at the age of eighteen. Everybody here needs to uh, needs to go to the army, and many uh, many soldiers from from combat units and from technological units that literally needed to deal with life death situations and high stakes situations um, have the skills and abilities to uh, thrive uh, in an uncertain environment, which is a necessity uh, when when you're an entrepreneur. So that's kind of really yeah. what made Israel. And and once we, you know, once Israel has has became, I, I, I would say, um, once Israel has started becoming uh, successful and strong, then people coming out of the army started to commercialize technologies that were built and building products around them and building companies around them. And uh, now I'm talking, this is, this is in the 80s. And, uh, and in the 90s, there were already been some exits and large companies buying Israeli companies and establishing an R&D office in Israel, sometimes the primary R&D office. Right now in Israel, there are 350 multinationals, Google, Facebook, Amazon, Intel, all of them have huge offices here. And uh, all of them have bought several Israeli, Israeli companies, if not like a dozen or more. So... What happened in the ecosystem is that it became um, it, it it fed itself because entrepreneurs started a company, sold it, then started maybe working at a multinational, started working at Facebook, learned a lot of great skills there, came back, started another company, or started a VC fund and started angel investing, and that's how the next generation of entrepreneurs has grown and how Israel has really become a an incredible startup nation where I think today we have 80, 80 unicorns. And, and even more interestingly, 80 of the U, 80 U.S. unicorns have been built by, by Israelis, which I think is something that many, uh, many Americans don't necessarily know that lemonade and, and Monday, um, and, uh, all, all these, these companies are, are Israeli. Yeah, that is. That is interesting. And and how do you, like, before they become American companies or get traded on the U.S. stock exchange, how do Americans invest in these startups if they're Israeli companies? Because we're investing with dollars, right? So it seems like, at least in the, in the couple that I've done, um, Israeli companies do take the dollars in. So how does that work 
um, just the, I guess, the tax implications and, and American investors? How do they invest uh, through iAngels? So, um, so basically, the way uh, investors invest, they go online, uh, iAngels.com, they register as accredited investors, and basically, they're able to see um, all the opportunities that, that we have online and, uh, and do research on our research. So they can do their own due diligence. They can look at webinars. They can look at our exit analysis and our competitive landscape analysis. And, um, and that's how they're able to invest. And in terms of taxes, um, people that reside outside of Israel are not required to pay any capital gains taxes in Israel. We, we have established uh, rulings, uh, tax rulings with uh, the authorities here. And so um, they would be exempt from, from any taxes here. Okay. So I guess the, the next question is maybe the big question. Um, you know, when we as real estate people, we look at a deal, we analyze the deal, we vet the sponsor, you know, we have all these things that we do to, to kind of figure out, Hey, is this something we want to invest in? So for this, who are we vetting as far as people we're working with? I guess that the team, right? The operations team. And then how do we analyze the deal to know, that yeah, this is this is a good deal. Like I can look at a building and say, okay, people are going to go live there, and here's the rents. How do I? What's the analysis? And and how do we determine? Yeah, this is a deal I want to I want to get in on. So first of all, if if you look at deals on iAngels, all those deals are deals that we invested in from our fund and personally. So in in such a case, you would be looking looking at the deal, but also deciding on whether or not you want to partner with us. So we're, we're like the sponsor in this, in this case. Um, and on a standalone, of course, if you're look, if you're looking at a, at a startup, then, um, then yes, you would be analyzing the market and the product and, and, and really trying to, to figure out, for example, if you're looking at a startup, what we, we talk about pain, what problem are they trying to solve? So you want to understand, first of all, is there really a pain? Is this something that really exists that people need? Then you want to establish, okay, but how big is it? How big is this market opportunity? Do a lot of people feel this pain or is it something that only a niche group of people uh, feel? And then you try to analyze how strong that pain is. Is this, is this a product that I'm going to need to come to you and start convincing you that, or I'm going to need to educate you that you have a pain that you need this product, or is this a product that you've been waiting for all of your life? And the minute that I come with a product, you're just going to want to throw money at me. And mm-hmm. um, and and so that's kind of the analysis or, or the thought process around the startup itself. But the other part of that is really analyzing or, or understanding and spending time with the team. And asking yourself, are these people that can, you know, make miracles happen? Because a, a successful startup is is a miracle, no less. Uh, the, the things that that you need to go through, and um, in that process, for example, we we do reference checks, uh, back channel references. We spend a lot of time with the founders. All our founders go through a leadership assessment and a psychologist, a business psychologist that has been working with us for the last ten years, and you know, sends us a report. Um, and, and, and so we actually spent a lot of time, a lot of time just on trying to understand, uh, whether this is, a, a, a you know, a winning team. 
Okay. And so I think a lot of the evaluation then for an investor would be, do we, how comfortable can we get with iAngels, right? Because I'm never going to be digging into the deal as deeply as you are understanding it as well as you. I'm not going to meet the management team of the startup, but you are and your team is. So how do we kind of get comfortable with, and I, I know you've said some of the history, you guys have done great over the last 10 years. How do we get comfortable enough with you to know that, okay, we can trust that you're investing in this. So that makes us comfortable. Then I can do kind of maybe not as thorough of analysis of the deal because that's kind of your job. My job is is the the next layer. So how do we get comfortable with with iAngels? So first of all, it's, it's a great question. So first of all, yes, we have a track record. Uh, we've already made significant uh, returns for investors. Um, we've already returned 70% of the capital that was invested through us. Um, and this is over an average duration of about three years because most of the capital actually was raised uh, recently. So our early investors have, have, done, uh, have done incredibly well with us. Our IRRs, both on a realized basis and on an unrealized basis, are around 30%. Um, but again, past performance doesn't indicate future performance, right? Um, but, but, and you know, what, when you're doing venture capital, you have to really, uh, maintain, um, humbleness because I don't, is that even a word? Can you say humble? <laughs> humble sure. It is now. <laughs> you have to be, you know, it, there is a, there's a big luck component, uh, and people need to to understand that. Um, but, uh, but yes. Well, so let, let's, let me ask you this. And, and you've said, you know, you've had uh, 20 or 25 um, exits already in the 10 years and the IR speaks for itself. That's fantastic. How many deals have you guys put in money that just go to zero? I'm sure like that's part of it, right? Um, what percent of the deals go under and how, and what percent don't. And I, I would speculate that and you can answer this, I guess, but um, mm -hmm. you know, you only need a couple to go really well to offset the losers, which are probably going to be more of them. Right. And you know, what's surprising though, I was sure that we're going to have uh, a lot of write-offs. Um, we've had, uh, we've had 20 write-offs. So I'm actually quite proud of that. The fact that we had 25 exits and it's not because I expect us to have more write-offs, but the fact that we have more exits than write-offs at, at the point in which uh, we are today actually, actually surprised me. Um, and so out of the around a hundred companies that we've invested in over the years, we have 60 that are active out of the 60, we have six unicorns. So six companies that are valued at over a billion dollars and, uh, and also quite a few that are valued at over a hundred. And then we have a whole, I would say a whole group, 30, 30 companies that are still in early stages, still figuring it out. And I'm sure that out of those companies, we're going to have some failures, some successes. Um, but, but really, in, in, statistically speaking, um, I was, uh, I was surprised. And I think one of the reasons is because in Israel, um, the entrepreneurs here have a very, very high level of perseverance versus other places in the world. I've, I've been investing, uh, I've had the experience of investing in some other places in the world, and I've noticed that um, if someone isn't successful, they'll be much quicker to close. 
in Israel, and it's not necessarily a good thing, but they won't <laughs> give up. They'll raise another round, right. another safe, and another bridge, and another. I don't know if these words mean a lot to you, but the point of the matter is, is that they'll, you know, they'll do everything they can to not fail. And oftentimes you get exits from that. You know, I had companies in our portfolio that I completely wrote off completely that ended up, you know, ended up having a, having a nice exit. So, um, so yeah, I think, uh, I, I, I think that that's the reason, but maybe I'm wrong. So do you recommend, or is there, you, you mentioned a fund. So at, at iAngels, can I go and invest in these 20 deals and make my own fund? Or do you already have a fund and I can just put a chunk in that and then I'm automatically diversified? Because I think that one of the keys to this type of investing is you don't want to be in just one deal, right? Because that might be the one that, that doesn't work out. Exactly. So uh, to your question, yes, we have a fund. You can invest in our fund. And you can also invest deal by deal. I think this is really the, this is where we bring the most added value to the investors. The fact that they can be invest with us, aligned with us, um, have the, the comfort knowing that we're invested as well, but they can also choose their own portfolio and learn. E- each company uh, on our platform has, uh, has, a, has a memo, a very long uh, a very long page where you receive a lot of information about the company. And if you combine that with the actual investing and tracking and monitoring and reading about it, you you learn a lot about technology, about markets, about the future, um, but also about investing. Um, I think I, I always say when people ask me, you know, how do I learn about investing? So I always tell them, invest. They're like, yeah, but but I need to learn first. And I said, no, just you know, just open an, open an eToro account or just invest. Um, and um, and really, that's the only way you 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 really get to learn because it's on your skin. So you track it. Like you bought, you know, you bought the 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 real estate or you bought the project or you bought Tesla stock. You're gonna look at it. You're gonna read their reports. You're gonna read the news about them. You're going to look at what, what's happening with their with their products because you care. So I think the same the same the same goes for for investing in VC. Um, there's no there's no shortcut. Yeah, that's very very well said. I like that. Um, so how is iAngels different from Start Engine, Our Crowd, WeFunder, Republic? Like, there's a lot of these out there, and I know you're focused on. Israeli companies, so that might be one difference. Are there other differences between um, those platforms and, and what you guys do? Yes, it's one difference, but it's a huge difference. And the difference is that we invest in all the deals personally. And for someone, it might just seem like a nuance, but it's actually uh, it's actually quite significant because I'm not bringing you the deal as a banker. I'm bringing you the deal as a principal, as someone that invested themselves. So that's that's the main difference. Main and yeah, that's great. I think that I, I think that's pretty powerful there. Um, all right, we're kind of running out of time here. So the last question I always ask is, what is a great podcast that you listen to? And you can use one or more um, examples. So I uh, so I like listening to to All In. It's always a it's always a great summary of uh, you know the different events and you know business and, and the world and, and different opinions in general, um, but also uh, the podcast of Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, I think those are great as well. 
Excellent. We will put those in the show notes for sure. And then if listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about iAngels, what's the best way to do that? So the best way is, first of all, to register on www.iangels.com. You need to register as an accredited investor in order to be able to be exposed to all of the due diligence and all the information uh, that we provide. And you can also email me uh, at Shelly at iAngels.com. Um, more than happy to to connect and and uh, and speak and share more about what we do. Excellent. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. This was this was fascinating. This is the exciting stuff. Normally, what we do, the real estate, that's the boring stuff. This is the fun and exciting stuff. So, I appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. We would like to introduce one of our trusted partners, Ashcroft Capital, to the left field investors community at Ashcroft. They focus on capital preservation while still having upside potential through their value-add funds. They are proud to announce their second fund, the Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2, is now open to investors. The Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2 has been created with one singular purpose in mind, to reduce risk to investors. The Ashcroft Value-Add Fund 2 will continue to use the same conservative business plan Ashcroft was founded with acquiring quality multifamily assets, and offering value-add opportunity in strong performing markets throughout the country. To learn more about Ashcroft Capital's investment criteria or about the markets and properties they are targeting, please download their latest AVAF2 Frequently Asked Questions Guide at ashcroftcapital.com slash leftfield. That's ashcroftcapital.com slash leftfield. That was really interesting. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. As you know, most of what we do is real estate, not very exciting, kind of boring, but real estate produces that uh, monthly, quarterly, annual cash flow that I like. But this is the shiny object stuff that I, I like to look at. Um, it's more interesting. It's more exciting. The um, you know pre-IPOs and, and all that kind of stuff, angel investing, that that's kind of interesting. So I really enjoyed listening to Shelly on that. A couple of things that stood out to me is you know you really need to analyze the market and the team is what she said and that makes total sense you know i'm not going to be able to dig in and understand an ai company or a pharmaceutical company and everything about what they're doing that's just not going to be what i'm you know what my focus is but i can analyze the market and try to determine for myself whether hey do i think this product or service that they're selling is this going to be the next big thing and then i can rely on you know someone else like Shelly or her team or, you know, if it's a different company to analyze the team and really get to know them. But those are things that I want to be looking at. You need a quality team and you need and you need a, a market for, for whatever product or service they're selling. It is interesting. Israel, the startup nation, it makes sense. I've invested in a couple of different um, Israeli companies. Visor is, is one of them. You know, they're one of our partners. And it's just interesting that there's so much innovation there. And, and then a lot of these companies, they come to the U.S., you don't even realize that they're Israeli. So that's kind of cool. I like that she said, you know, you just have to invest. And this is what we talk about. Also, you need to take action. You can't just sit around running numbers all day. The only way you're going to learn how to invest is to actually invest. Because as she said, if you invest, you're going to follow up. You're going to read reports. You're at least going to pay more attention. If you if you say, well, I'm just going to wait and see what this deal turns out. And, and you didn't invest in it, you're not going to follow it the same. You don't have skin in the game. It's the same reason that why we like 
our operators to have invested in the deal, it's the same thing. When you invest the deal, you're going to pay more attention to it. And that just goes right off into, you know, the difference uh, that Shelly said to iAngels between some of the other platforms is that they invest directly in the deals, not just their company, but personally they're investing in the deals. And again, skin in the game, that gives you a little bit more comfort knowing that, you know, an expert team has analyzed the deal, they think it's a good deal, and they're willing to put their money where their mouth is and put their own money into that project, which gives you a little bit more confidence. And you have to be ready, right? They seem to have a pretty good track record. It was almost 50% of these, uh, you know, do well and and 50% go to zero. That's an amazing track record, it sounds like to me. I was thinking it'd be more like, you know, one in 10 deals uh, go well, and that covers for the, the nine that you lose. So definitely interesting. I always like looking at this stuff um, you know, I, I have a small amount, five to ten percent of my portfolio that I allocate to uh, speculation. So I'll definitely be looking at iAngels and, and see if there's anything there of interest to me. So that's all we have for this time. We will see you next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in the left field with us today. If you are interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com and click the subscribe button to join our community. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe to the show on your podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the show, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts would be appreciated. Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by Passive Investing from Left Field and Left Field Investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.